Looking for a graduation gift to inform, inspire, and encourage? When you give a subscription to Christianity Today, you're giving redemptive, relevant news and thoughtful balanced dialogue about the church, current issues, and public theology. Visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to get a discounted student subscription for the graduates in your life. Starting at only $2 per month, this gift will engage and grow their faith throughout the year. Click the link in the show notes or visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to order now. This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of Ghosted, an American story, written and narrated by New York Times best-selling ghostwriter Nancy French, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Moore and welcome to the Russell Moore Show brought to you by Christianity Today. I'm your host, the editor-in-chief at Christianity Today, and this is the place where we explore conversations and questions from a Christian perspective. And this is one of those times when we're dealing with your questions. So before we get to your questions, uh, and, and I'm going to use the word questions uh, too much right now, but send me your questions to questions at russellmore.com. We won't use your name unless you tell us to, uh, because a lot of these questions are going to be really personal. People don't want that uh, broadcast, and so we understand that. Uh, so send it to questions at russellmore.com. First question I have is, Dr. Moore, do you have any exciting news for us? And the answer to that is yes. I would like to introduce you to the new producer of The Russell Moore Show, Ashley Hales. Uh, Ashley is a, a PhD in English literature from University of Edinburgh. Uh, when with her husband, she is the co-founder of the Willowbray Institute, which is a, a new think tank uh, dealing with the intersection of Christianity and the common good uh, here in North America. And she hosts her own podcast, um, and has authored uh, the book Finding Holy in the Suburbs and the book A Spacious Life. And you can find more about her in the show notes. And I'm really glad to have uh, Ashley with us. She's going to be especially visible to you when we have these questions, uh, conversations. Ashley, welcome aboard. Thank you. It's such a privilege and honor to be here. Thanks. Well, we have a good time here, and especially because this is the best time of the year. I will fight anyone on that, that fall is the best time of the year. And I think I have almost a reverse seasonal affective disorder. Mm -hmm where the, the fall invigorates me. So I'm, I'm really uh, excited to start this process. Yes, it's very exciting. I think, you know, as we have just recently been through midterm elections, so whenever uh -huh. election season comes up, Christians can struggle to know what to do. So what's the yeah. process by which we can decide how we cast our ballots as Christians? Help us like work through that ethically. How do we decide when it's appropriate, when it's not appropriate? What mm -hmm. do we do if neither candidate really embodies Christian ethics? Help us yeah. think through that. Well, I, I, 
I often would say in years past, election years uh, make Christians go crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and I've sort of, uh, I've sort of modified that because I look back at my past self saying that and saying, oh, Bambi, you were so naive. You <laughs> yeah, had no yeah, idea yeah, what right, was actually right. coming down the pike. Uh, and, and what has changed is that elections now make almost everybody go crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're never out of it. And, and right. so uh, the, the fact that, uh, that there's no time when we can say, okay, we're out of an election season. We just came out of midterms. We're right into the 2024 uh, presidential election. We, we, a lot of families and churches haven't even healed up from the 2016 right. Right. Uh, presidential mm-hmm. election, and we're headed into 2024. Uh, so what, what I would say is the, the, way that, the way that voting works in our system Think about it uh, almost the way you would in terms of doing a job interview and the the sort of person that you're going to uh, hire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, there there was, uh, I mean, people know in, uh, in the, I, I said um, in 2016 and have said consistently since, character matters um, in, in terms of public office, no matter uh, whether the the person we're talking about is on your side, quote unquote, or not on your side. Um, but sometimes people will say, well, does that mean that to take take some of the obvious, really extreme situations that we have seen or may see uh, and look at just just a kind of a normal for whatever uh, whatever that is now yeah. normal kind of election uh, does that mean that i need to vote for somebody who is a christian um and the answer to that is i i think no uh, but that you do need to uh vote for somebody on the basis of qualifications to lead but also on the basis of character the character of that uh, person as best as you can see and 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 again think about it in terms of the uh in terms of a job interview because someone said one time uh, to me well that's that's inconsistent if you say that character matters but uh you're willing to vote for um, a Latter-day Saint or uh, a, a Jewish person or someone else who's, who's not a Christian, uh, that's not consistent. Well, of course it is. I mean, if, if, if you're wanting to hire somebody to work in your hardware store, um, are, might you hire somebody who's who doesn't share your religious beliefs? Well, of course. Uh, you're, you're going to be hiring all kinds of people who don't share your religious beliefs. But if somebody, uh, you're, you're interviewing somebody and their last employer says, yeah, this is somebody who does the job well, but does a lot of sexually harassing of uh, other people. <laughs> no, you, you don't want that uh, person. Uh, or if they say, you know, this, this is a good enough kind of person, but is a disaster at the job, you're not going to want to hire that person either. Now, can you be surprised? Of course, there are going to be candidates who are going to seem to have the the character and the um, and the qualifications. Who later you're going to find out that this this person was a fraud or this person was incompetent. That's going to happen in every arena of life. It's going to happen when uh, when somebody's being hired in a workplace. There there might be things you don't know and you can't see, but when you can see them 
then uh, you need to be very concerned about that. And mm-hmm. and I'm probably more worried about this issue of voting than I ever have mm-hmm. uh, before because um, voting right now has become less about uh, actually getting things done yeah. and tribal identity who, who, who's going to win? And if we win, we win it all. Yeah, and we're, yeah. we're exuberant. And if we lose, we've lost it all. So there's a kind of uh, catastrophism that uh, can be put, uh, put out that can then give you, um, y- you can feel like that means you've got to absorb into your tribe wholly. Uh, or else you're going to be destroyed. And that's a really, really dangerous place to be. And we're at a, we're at a very precarious place, um, in, in this system of government that we have of uh, liberal democracy, and we shouldn't take it for granted. And I think there are a lot Mm -hmm. of people who think, oh, just the, the sort of craziness that we have going on right now, it's just, we're, we're just having fun. We're just, uh, celebrating life, uh, or what have you. And don't realize just yeah. how fragile uh, this the system actually is, and don't realize kind of what that's doing to you. Yeah. Um, and so it's I think that point. having all of that, but I mean, this questioner, the very fact that he or she is sort of asking this question tells me to some degree they haven't been swept into that. Right. And so I would say just don't be swept into that. Yes. That's a wonderful, just don't jump on the crazy train, right? <laughs> don't jump on the crazy train. Yes. Yeah. And if you're on it, you can get off. Yes. But the yeah. problem is a lot of times you don't know that you're on the crazy train. <laughs> that because, is a good point. Because it's hard to know because now uh, what happens is you can curate your life Uh, in terms of social media, in terms of other forms of media, in terms of just uh, friendships and relationships, where you're in this ecosystem where things start to look normal to you that actually aren't. Right. Yeah. And so this next question from a listener actually dovetails nicely with that. Um, He's asking you just for some clarity about how we might begin to define this idea of Christian nationalism. Uh Uh-huh. So I think maybe just some that, you know, that term has been in in the news and the headlines. Mm -hmm. And he's just really a little bit unclear about what that means and what our duties are to our nation um, Mm -hmm. and how we might understand that term. Well, uh, Christian nationalism is uh, the use of Christian symbols or ideas uh, for the purpose of ethnic or national identity. Um, so you can see you can see Christian nationalism kind of on a, a spectrum uh, here, and so look at, for instance, uh, the, the way that you see it uh, in Europe, where uh, you will have uh, ethno nationalist groups that are when they use Christian, they're saying you know we need to be Christians, and what they really mean by that is we need to be French or we need to be German, or we need to be Hungarian, or or whatever it is. And that means that we're not Muslim, or we're not Jewish, or we're not uh, something else. And then you see the way that that has shown up in the United States of America, where religion is is used for that, that that kind of 
usually white identity sort of politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes uh, there, it's really interesting how Christian nationalists uh, approach this because uh, at first when this conversation started happening and and some of us started saying, watch this and, mm-hmm. and be be warned about this. It was, oh, well, there's no such thing as Christian nationalism. That That's just uh, made up. And what it refers to is any person who, um, anybody who's a Christian who's involved in the public square. Right. No, that's not what Christian nationalism is. And, and it's not somebody whose conscience is shaped and formed by Christianity, which mm-hmm. has implications for mm-hmm. how that's not what it is either. But a lot of these people say, oh, well, it, it, there isn't any such thing. And then they started saying, well, even if there is, it's not so bad. Uh, and then that moved to, yeah, Christian nationalism. Let's let's get on board with that, uh, yeah. and so that 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 process just is is working itself out. Now, uh, sometimes people will say, "Well, how do I know uh, what Christian nationalism is, as opposed to just uh, being a Christian and having having normal patriotism?" Right. Uh, well, patriotism is. Uh, the equivalent of honoring father and mother, loving family, having gratitude for the the place around you. It's a it's a good and right thing to love your country. But uh, go back and read George Orwell about the difference between patriotism and nationalism. Uh, having having seen this up close mm-hmm. uh, in you know, Germany and Italy and and everywhere else, I think Orwell is right about uh, that definition. That it's it's not just affection for one's country and service to one's country. Uh, it's it's a, a tribal kind of uh, identity. And the reason that I'm concerned about Christian nationalism is first of all because I think it's horribly uh, dangerous to uh, the, the kind of American experiment that we have yeah. that, that came from a lot of, um, especially in, in my uh, ancestral tradition, Baptists uh, saying, we don't want the government using the church in order to, to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, I believe in hell. I really believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father uh, except through him. And that is through faith, personal faith and repentance. We don't come before the judgment seat of Christ nation by nation or, uh, mm-hmm. or ethnicity by ethnicity or family by family or even church by church. We come one by one. And once you replace that with some sort of external conformity, which is what Christian nationalism does, then you've actually, you've actually denied the gospel of Jesus Christ because you're, you're one birth short of what the gospel actually is. Mm-hmm. And you are using and misusing the name of Christ in a way that takes the name of the Lord your God in vain. I mean, you think about that third commandment. It's not, you know, I grew up in a home where um, it, it wasn't my parents, but we had some, some relatives who would, anytime you said, gosh darn it, or you know that that, that was sort right. of the, yeah, yeah. the Southern Baptist cussing we had. Uh, you, you couldn't do that. Um, 
Well, that's not really what taking the Lord, the name of Lord your God in vain is about. It's about using the name of God and using the authority of God in a way that God has not commanded. And that's mm-hmm. what Christian nationalism does. So when somebody says, well, uh, how, how do I know if what I'm getting into, you really can't know what's Christian nationalism or not. Well, sure you can. I mean, think of white nationalism. Yep. Uh, if, if somebody, if maybe you're, you're a white person uh, and you love your country, somebody says to you, are you white? Yes. Uh, do you love your country? Are you a patriot? Yes. Are you a white nationalist? No. Uh, if someone says to you, are you a Christian? Yes. Do you love your country? Yes. Are you a Christian nationalist? No, because you're not, uh, you're not taking your faith and absorbing it into this really predatory mm-hmm. um, and, and actually, uh, you know, Christian nationalism is very uh, right wing. And so it, it appears to be conservative on right. the surface, but it's actually liberalism theologically, mm-hmm. because it's it's the exact definition of what J. Gresham Machen talked about in Christianity and Liberalism, where he said, when you're, when you're using Christianity as a means to an end, no matter what the end is, this is no longer Christianity. Mm-hmm. That's what Christian nationalism is. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. With summer coming up, I'm already dreading not only the traffic on the roads, but also the increased cost of groceries and the fact that my children eat all day long. You know, we all have stressors. Some are big and some are small, like an increased grocery bill. But therapy is a safe place to actually get these stressors off your chest and to figure out how you can actually work through them. There are many benefits to therapy for people from all walks of life. It's helpful to learn positive coping skills so you don't freak out about that grocery bill and how to set boundaries. Therapy can empower you to be the best version of yourself, and it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's convenient, flexible, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Russell Moore today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Russell Moore. Yeah. Any thoughts on what do we what do we do? Those of us who are, are trying to stand against it, or you know, fi- find ourselves or our friends or neighbors, family members swept up into that. What might be a way forward? Well, I think uh, I think a lot of it is going to be small scale. Um, sometimes uh, Wendell Berry uh, told a group of environmentalists one time, he said, the problem is people want a solution that is as large scale as the crisis, Mm, but that's rarely the way that crises are actually confronted. It's with a lot of small scale solutions. So I would say the first thing is not to be swept up into it yourself, recognize it uh, for, for what it is and model something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, have a, a different way of, of following Jesus. And a lot of that uh, is, is about something as simple as watching your emotional 
uh, kind of involvement mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to a lot of these um, cultural or political issues that what, what Christian nationalists are counting on is that those things will uh, seem to be an emergency for you. And then they can come in and say, well, because it's an emergency, it means that the normal kinds of rules of fruit of the spirit and Christian ethics and, and even the Christian gospel, those don't apply. Uh, so, so you can, you can do that. And, and a lot of times you can see if you're moving in that direction, just on the basis of what, what ultimately terrifies you. Hmm. Uh, is it, judgment of God, or is it what's happening around you in terms of some cultural panic? And what is it that ultimately brings you joy? I mean, mm-hmm. we're we're in a time right now where the distinction between private and public, between what's real life and what's, or, or normal, ordinary life and what's politics, that distinction's almost been uh, completely obliterated. Yeah. Everything's yeah. been politicized. And what that leaves you with is a politics of people who are hollowed out. I mean, the, the, mm-hmm. they're, it's an impersonal, what C.S. Lewis was, would talk about with these uh, men without chess. Yeah. You're hollowed out. And so I think that, um, I think just watch that uh, in yeah. yourself. And when it comes to talking to other people, and we're going to talk about this a lot because we get this question a lot. Yep. A, a lot of times it's going to depend on what is your relationship to the person. Yeah. And so there, there are some people in your life that you can say, hey, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> and there are going to be other people that you, you kind of say, I'm going to I'm going to go about this in a much, right. in a much right. slower, more patient way. Yeah. You know, I found even Friedman's concept of a non-anxious presence, a helpful, yeah. you know, even just showing up as a non-anxious presence in an anxious system can be a way to, to show the gospel is actually changing you. You don't have to yeah. participate. I mean, you, you, you look at Jesus um, and one of the remarkable things about Jesus is the emotional uh, reaction. Mm-hmm. So you, you have people trying to get Jesus into uh, all of these uh, disputes, and a lot of them were political uh, disputes okay. in a way that was... It was means to an end. It was right. a, a way of, uh, of of getting him. So, for instance, with the Caesar's coin, um, if Jesus, they know that if Jesus says, pay the taxes to Caesar, he's saying uh, David's throne is evacuated and the Romans are the legitimate uh, occupiers of uh, of the land of promise. And if he says, don't pay the uh, tax to Caesar, then he's an insurrectionist leading uh, a rebellion against Rome. So either way, what Jesus does is to say, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And a lot of times we look at that and say, oh, well, what he's saying is give the things that you need to give to to government and and don't and give the the things that belong to God, to God. That's that's true. He is saying that. But he's also handing the coin back and saying, whose picture is on that? Yeah. Uh, Caesar's. Give Caesar what's Caesar's. So he's he's not uh, brought into that kind of uh, emotional captivity to yeah. what's happening around him. And, mm. and I, I think we need to, to guard that as well. Yeah, that's wonderful. 
So here's another hard question from a listener. Um, she's talking about suicide and oh. she has her, her niece ended up committing suicide and there was a first attempt and she prayed and um, it didn't seem, she says, like God heard her and the young woman, her niece ended, taking, ended up taking her own life. And so mm. years later, she's really unsure what faith looks like, you know, as she reflects on that issue and her own personal walk with God. She says, you know, how can I pray for other things with any real confidence that our loving father will respond as we understand a loving father would when mm -hmm. it seems like he didn't save her relative. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, uh, what I would say is we have this way of thinking about suicide, particularly, that is not only not helpful, but is harmful. Yeah. So we, we think of uh, suicide in this completely different way than we think about um, mental health uh, generally. Yeah. Um, what, what's happening in uh, virtually every situation with someone who dies by suicide is um, a, a mental health emergency uh, that, that is manifesting itself that way where a person... A person doesn't see any way to get out of their their pain. Mm -hmm. And so we can know that's not the answer and, and that shouldn't happen while at the same time knowing the person who is dying in this way Actually, they aren't themselves. Right. That's that's what they're. That's why they're at that point of desperation. They've 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 uh, they're suffering uh, in that way, um, and so I, I think we have to understand that and, and and remove some of the shame that comes with survivors of mm -hmm. people who have of, of uh, situations where people have died by suicide a shame either in terms of well this person took uh, her own life and that's uh, that's wrong to take the uh, a human life that's that's right it is it is wrong but you have somebody who's not at a place of moral uh, responsibility. Uh, usually, mm -hmm. you have somebody who's who's in this place of of desperation, but also kind of shame where people think, "Well, what did I do? Right? Um, and, and what could I have done uh, more?" When the reality is, uh, there, there's nothing different that that it, it's not as though this is about one conversation. This takes a, a lot more intervention than that. Yeah. And so take the, the guilt and the shame off of that. But when you come to the, the actual root of the question she's asking, it actually doesn't have to do with uh, suicide uh, as much as it has to do with the, the matter that we, we all face, which is why is there evil and suffering in the world? I mean, that's ultimately the, yeah. the question. Why do horrible things happen? And why do my prayers not, um, not aren't answered? Um, why, right. why aren't they answered in a way that stops them? Well, that's, that's a, a huge question and always has been. Job is asking this question and God does not, God does not, answer him. 
Yeah. Uh, God, God instead says, know me and trust me. Realize and know that you're living in a fallen world uh, and that the whole world, as John says, lies under the sway of the, the wicked when awful things happen in this time between the times. And a lot of times our response is going to be similar to Mary and Martha when when Lazarus dies mm-hmm. uh, and Jesus knows that Lazarus is sick, he doesn't come immediately. And when he does, Mary and Martha are, are saying, if you had been here, he, he wouldn't have died. I mean, that's a, that's a reasonable question mm-hmm. and a legitimate question. What Jesus does is to weep. Jesus wept with them and he, uh, he, he's right there in the middle of all of that. And ultimately, he's he's raising Lazarus from the dead. Usually, we don't see uh, God working as quickly uh, as as that, but we can know and trust that God is here and and God is present. And even if we don't uh, understand um, everything that's going on, and we won't, that's why. Part of what the Holy Spirit does in Romans 8 is to cause us to to inwardly groan. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't even know what to pray for. Uh, And the Holy Spirit has to give us utterances sometimes too deep for words. And so I I think the answer would be uh, come to God in prayer and, and say, I'm having a hard time with uh, understanding this. And I, I can't really understand it, but I need you to be present. Mm. Um, and and God, God responds to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I love how you're drawing the parallels too. In the one instance, right, Jesus is not kind of engaging the emotional turmoil, right? With mm-hmm. render to Caesar, what is Caesar's? On the other hand, he is also engaging in, in his friend's grief. And so I think yes. it's just so important to notice the emotional life of Jesus. Well, yeah, and think about what Jesus says. I mean, this is one of the the key things, I think, in the entire New Testament is when Jesus says uh, Lazarus will be raised. And she says, I know that he will be raised at the resurrection. So she's saying, okay, you're giving me an answer and you're giving me a theological answer. And I know that answer already. Uh, Essentially, I've been to Sunday school is is what she's saying. Jesus's response is, I am the resurrection mm-hmm. and the life. This isn't this isn't some abstraction. I am the resurrection standing in front of you right now and and weeping with you right now and and standing with you right yeah. now. Um, and I think that I think that sometimes when we when we reduce everything to the abstractions, we lose the fact of the the presence of Jesus mm-hmm. including in great uh, great suffering. Yeah. That's true. This episode is brought to you in part by Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary students are grounded in faith and formed in community. PTS students are preparing for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and Certificate Programs. Begin your Master's or Certificate Program in person or online. Financial aid is available. Visit pts.edu slash admit. And here's another another question from our listeners as we conclude. But in, as we think about the idea of forgiveness, 
This listener writes in and and asks, how can we forgive someone without understanding? And so he mm. says, you know, I, I've understood forgiveness, he feels imperfectly as the release of an expectation from a transgressor. Mm-hmm. Um, so stopping holding it against them. But now he says, I'm in a position to need of needing to forgive a dead man without understanding mm-hmm. what he did or how he could have done it and no way really to ever reach clarity. So yeah. how does he begin that process of forgiveness when, you know, reconciliation, at, you know, on this side of things is, mm-hmm. is impossible? What does that look like? Well, sometimes, sometimes when people say forgiveness, what they mean by that is reconciliation um, and a, a restoration to relationship with, uh, with the person. And, and sometimes when if, if that's what you mean by forgiveness, then you're going to be, as this person is, in an impossible situation. Yeah. Um, e- either because the person is dead or because the person is um, unrepentant or because there has to be, in order for there to be justice, there has to be accountability. Uh, that's happening. So forgiveness is not a lack of uh, accountability at all. That it's not cheap grace. Right. But often what we mean by forgiveness, I think, is in the New Testament uh, when uh, when Paul says, quoting God, vengeance is mine. Uh, and so it's not that we say, oh, well, we don't want justice to be done. It's that we say ultimate justice will be done. And I trust God for that. Mm-hmm. And so in, in this case, you're never going to come to an understanding of why the person did the things that they did. You're never going to come to that uh, understanding in this, uh, in this life. What you can do is to say, uh, I'm not in a sense of desperation that, that justice will never be done. I, I instead, I really can trust God uh, with that, which means that I can move on uh, with my life. It doesn't mean that you're moving on, that you're not still hurt by what this person does. It doesn't even mean that it's not going to come to mind and you're going to grieve. Sometimes you're going to be angry. Um, and a lot of times that anger is is earned, not sinful, mm-hmm. but it's not going to have domination over you. Mm. And, and and that would be, and again, and we, we've talked about this before with other things, that takes time. So don't say to yourself, uh, because I'm, I'm still grappling with this and I'm still wanting to understand it, that means that I'm an unforgiving person. No, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. It, it may just mean that you're, um, that you're working through the hurt that right. you've experienced. Right. Yeah. And I, I think it's just so helpful, right? Even that question, how it was worded is how does one succeed, you know, and how does one understand? And maybe we won't actually see some of those answers at the moment as well. Well, well, I mean, if, if, if there are any of our listeners who haven't experienced anything like that, it's only because they're not paying attention. All of us, (laughs) all of us are experiencing things where we say there's been uh, suffering or there's mm-hmm. been hurt and I don't get it. I mean, that's why yeah. the Bible calls it the mystery of iniquity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we 
if we get, and I'm the same way as yep. this question, <laughs> I am the same way. And what I want to do is to say, if I can just understand yep. why this person is acting the way that they are, then I can kind of move forward. A lot of times you can't, you you just can't figure it out. And you can nonetheless live a life that that isn't in captivity to that. Yes. Well, thank you for that hope. It's it's a pleasure to, to speak with you again and to answer listeners' questions. Well, we would like to ask listeners, this has been an especially heavy show. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but there's really still has. hope. You, you've done well. It, Thank you. <laughs> well, I, I uh, just want to let our listeners know if you have a question about anything, uh, and, and sometimes when people hear really heavy questions like this, they think, well, that means the question has to be big. No. Little questions, big questions, uh, they're all welcome here. And so send them to questions at russellmore.com and I will do my best uh, to answer them. You've been uh, listening to The Russell Moore Show brought to you by Christianity Today. Be sure to subscribe, send it to somebody that you think would, uh, would benefit from it and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can tap the show notes for more information, including how you can be a, a trial member with us here at Christianity Today. This is The Russell Moore Show. See you next time. The Russell Moore Show is a production of Christianity Today. Eric Petrick is our chief creative officer. Russell Moore is the executive producer and our host. Mike Cosper is our director of podcasts. Administration for CT by Christine Kolb and Abby Perry. Production assistance by Core Media. Beth Grabencourt, coordinator. Kevin Duthu, producer and sound mixer. Our theme song is Dusty Delta Day by Lennon Hutton. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing so you don't miss any future episodes. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.